Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tiantian. That's all about helping businesses gain access to green financing today. Now, while firms may think that they need to collect vast amounts of data to track sustainability goals and tap green financing, the fact is that a bulk of that data required may have already been tracked in their day-to-day processes. Others can be data on their electricity consumption or carbon emissions collected automatically through the firm's existing fleet management or building management systems. But how should companies go about extracting and making use of that data to obtain more capital? Well, that is the work of our guest Stax. Now, founded in 2019, Stax is Asia's leading ESG data and technology company. It collates information from companies' day-to-day operations as well as data from providers like Refinitiv, and presents them in a user-friendly interface to help financiers better understand where the firm is at when it comes to meeting ESG goals. And for Stax, its interface is called the ESGpedia, which is named after Wikipedia. Now, the AI-enabled platform powers a number of sustainability-related initiatives, including the Monetary Authority of Singapore or MAS's Green Print ESG Registry. Currently, the platform covers over five million sustainability disclosure data points, over one hundred and eighty thousand companies' sustainability data, and this allows banks and corporates to access accurate, consistent, and even comparable data on one registry for financing purposes. But how does it work exactly, and how does Stax monetize its platform? Also, how much money is up for grabs for Stacks in the near term? Well, for more, I've got with me on the line Benjamin Sode, managing director at Stacks. A、uh, Benjamin, welcome. Hey, Tintin, it's a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for having me. Great to have you on board,、uh, Benjamin. We've briefly talked about Stacks, Asia's leading ESG data and tech company. From what I understand. You guys collate information from companies' day-to-day operations. It could be data that's collected already and presents them in a user-friendly interface to allow finances to better make comparison and better understand where the firm is at when it comes to ESG.、Uh, is that an accurate representation of the work that Stax does? What is the market gap that you're looking to fill here? Hmm.、Uh, thanks for the introduction about Stax and ESGpedia. Yes, it is accurate. Except that I will add a little bit more detail, which is that you know、uh, we mentioned about Wikipedia, and you know Wikipedia is a very useful tool and database of information. But when it comes to ESG, we have another challenge. Besides collecting、uh, public data, we also realize that many companies have not started. You know,、uh, presenting this data. So to come back to the question of why is the market gap that we're looking to fill? You know, so while Wikipedia is mature and has a lot of information and a lot of company pages, right? Okay, ESGpedia. No matter how hard we work in getting public data, there will always be missing data today, just simply because several companies have not started. So I think our ESGpedia has to take two approaches. Number one, we continue to aggregate public data that's available, and number two. We work with companies, engage them, and help them get started and create their own nice ESG profile. Right. 
Okay, so how would you describe three things, right? Uh, the products and services you provide, value proposition, and business model. I think you are looking at software as a service. Again, how does it work? Yep. So with that, I think you know we need to be able to have a different offering for a different uh, person or company. So I think we can segment that into two. Okay, for for example, the first type of company would be the companies that haven't started. Typically, your SMEs, typically. But of course, in some other countries, it would be the larger companies too. So in any case, those companies that haven't started and are looking to create their nice ESG profile, we can work with us to use our digital tools. We will provide them you know, a variety of tools like an embedded GHG or carbon calculator. Uh, it calculates all their emissions from their operations. You mentioned correctly that the data is actually available. It's their consumption data, the operational data, or whatever they purchase. So all these is already information that the company usually has. They just do not know how to convert it to a ESG data. So that's what we do to help them and help these companies therefore create an ESG standard okay, report of all their matrices. Then of course, we talk about the other segment. The other segment would be the you know the mature companies or the large organizations. They would already be ready, right? They already have published sustainability reports, etc. Then how do they work with us, right? It's uh so seemingly they don't need us, but actually because just now I mentioned that we work with several smaller companies or companies that haven't started yet. Typically, these are the suppliers or the indirect or, you know, in technical terms, scope three emissions of the larger enterprise. So that's where we work with the larger enterprises to get the missing data in place and therefore provide them a solution on this. Mm, a very quick one. Do the big guys pay you to fill up the missing piece? Because they are helping you fill up the missing piece, right? So who is paying who then? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question. So anyway, uh, we operate on a freemium model. So for many smaller companies, they can actually use our services for free, digital tools for free, and get their own ESGpedia profile for free. Obviously, we still need to pay the bills. So that's where the larger enterprises to retrieve those data, they are actually the ones that are paying us usually. Let's get this question out of the way early on, Benjamin. When we look at the scale of your operations and the geographical markets you're in, uh, what is the current scale we're looking at? Mm. So we are focused on ASEAN. You know, we are Singaporean as a company, but we have actually landed in Malaysia, Thailand, Philippines, Vietnam, Indonesia, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. And that's where we really are engaging with companies there. Uh, in some of these markets, we also have local staff already. Right, I see. And let's zoom in on your flagship product or the interface, uh, which is called the ESGpedia. Um, this is an AI-enabled platform, I believe. Tell us more about that because I know it covers uh, over 5 million disclosure data points, more than 376,000 company sustainability data. I believe we are close to half a million right now. Who are the ones that request the data to be collected? Is it always about securing new funding? Mm, uh, that's just only one possible outcome, actually. So I think most companies, when they embark on their ESG journey, there are a few reasons, right? So number one is they are compelled to, they are requested to, or they are required to. And typically, it is from their investors or their client. You know, uh, the buyers, particularly the MNC buyers in you know advanced markets, those companies are under regulatory pressure. So they will usually demand you know for these companies to provide data so that's the uh, one of the reasons okay so therefore compliance or being compared or being required is one reason and the second reason that you already brought up okay is the financial carrot reason you know hopefully we are also able to help these companies advertise their profile better 
uh, do well and therefore do better business because more people might be willing to procure from them. And while doing so, if they're seeking funding, seeking financing, we have seen that actually uh, the financial services sector are willing to provide a discount in the interest rate or provide uh, more interest in investing in sustainable companies. Right. And don't mind me asking, I mean, we were just talking about this earlier, right? You talked about the typical SMEs, right? Their buyers require them to provide some form of ESG data, which is why they're on board. But when we look at the bigger players as well, they have their own internal teams. So who are the ones that come to you to say that I need my data to be collected? I need you to convert my operation data into ESG data. Uh, Are we always talking about the smaller players here? No, I think... uh I mean, both companies will still come to us, just that maybe they might have very different needs. Yeah, because the smaller players, for sure, uh, they are hearing about ESG. In fact, even in Singapore, right, government procurement contracts now embed a 5% uh, scoring for sustainability performance. So therefore, you know, with all these news coming at us, a lot of smaller companies, they want to learn uh, how to go do so. And yes, they will be the ones coming to us, okay, to help them get their profile. As for the larger enterprise, typically, is more because of their scope three requirements. So one major uh, so-called uh, event that happened last year was that the International Sustainability Standards Board or ISSB, you know, they set the standards. They are part of the IFRS, so they set the financial reporting standards. They also set the sustainability reporting standards last year, which mandated the inclusion of scope three or, in other words, value chain emissions data. So if I was a large enterprise and, you know, usually companies create their own carbon emissions, but besides that, they also purchase a lot of carbon emissions from the suppliers, right? So that's where the ISSB standards have now mandated that as a large enterprise, besides reporting my own operational data, I also need to be able to tell the world how much carbon emissions I purchased or I facilitated. Mm, Okay. Now, I've got two parts to this question. Let's start with the first part, which is what type of data did you collect? How are they collected and integrated? So firstly, uh, uh, there will be uh, internal data and external data. You know, internal data would usually be your operational data, like your fuel consumption and your energy consumption. Uh, But of course, here we also want to segment by sector. Example, if I was a logistics firm or a transport firm, fuel as in literally the petrol that I pump, you know, or diesel that I use will be the most relevant or most important number here. Yeah, but if I was a real estate company, you know, therefore electricity consumption will be the most important material or input here. In any case, we capture all of them. Companies usually already receive this data or process this data because they have their own fuel consumption or energy consumption uh, meters or software platforms or hardware platforms. And so this data could be used to be creating their carbon emissions report through the formula that we have in our platform to give them a full report. Yeah, so that's internal numbers that is useful for them that they can now create an ESG report. Now, externally, which is usually for the larger firms, externally, uh, companies want to track, therefore, their value chain. So the data that we enable suppliers to produce will ultimately be very useful for an enterprise that takes in you know, all the procurement from the suppliers. Mm. Which then leads me to the second part of the question, because here at Money FM, we really love talking about money. Same as us. <laughs> yeah, you talk about a freemium model. 
right? I was supposed on the data collection, data integration side as freemium, right? Uh, the SMEs will come to you and say, I'll pay you and then could you do something and collect our data, integrate it for us? For the bigger players, perhaps it's free. But how do you monetize on your platform actually? Do you charge the smaller players by collecting data for them? Do you charge the larger players by selling the data from the smaller players to them? Mm. So I think firstly, the freemium part is that uh, we actually want to be very inclusive. So in, in, in effect, right, actually many of the SMEs do not even need to pay us, right? Because uh, we are doing a freemium at the functional level, at the feature level. So in other words, to create your basic ESG profile, so in other words, converting your operational data, converting your energy consumption into carbon emissions, that we do for free. Okay, so in other words, any other company could use that uh, and create their own uh, simple, basic ESG report. Of course, an ESG report has many components. What I just described is pure, really the pure minimum. Right. So if you want to go a little bit deeper, you want to analyze your supply chain, you want to be able to dive into the deeper or wider so-called data points, okay, then that is a premium service, which you know typically larger scale operations, in other words, the larger firms would require us to do uh, for a fee. And that's where uh, the result is that usually the companies that pay us will be the larger businesses. And of course, these larger businesses may want to be able to consume the data. And yes, uh, so these are the companies that will be purchasing uh, data services or packages from us. Don't mind me asking this, uh, Benjamin. Roughly how much, if it's convenient to, to review, how much does it cost to subscribe? Because you talk about software as a service, right? How much does it cost to subscribe to be part of this platform? So uh starts as low as free <laughs> and the first tier the the yeah because you know we do have a freemium model so most companies do not pay us but the first tier that you know companies start to pay us okay is as low as two thousand sing dollars a year and even for larger enterprises you know it really depends on the scope right because some larger enterprises may require other services but let's just use a standard package you know that we've seen most uh, enterprises working with us on you know it's typically only about fifty or sixty thousand sing dollars a year. Yeah, so I always like to point out to them that it's almost like hiring just one person <laughs> to do a lot of things, you know, for this very large corporate. Okay, who are your major customers at this point, Benjamin? I know you work with Razor to enhance transparency with end-to-end traceability of high-quality uh, carbon offset. You also work with Manulife Investment Management on the review of their sustainability-labeled bonds. Tell us more about your customer base at this point in time. Mm. So customer or paying customers to be exact because we have you know literally thousands of free, cus- <laughs> free users. Yep. So by anyway, paying customers usually will belong to the larger corporate enterprise profile. And then when it comes to industry sectors, we have done well in a few sectors. Uh, what you just mentioned are the you know manufacturing. I mean, Razor effectively is a retail manufacturing. Right. They manufacture goods for retail and financial sector. Uh, we also done well in the construction of real estate and logistics. But in any case, okay, so these companies, they all have uh, similar needs, just that the content might be different. The financial services providers actually do have a very large portfolio, you know, because they invest or they finance tens of thousands of clients you know, in a single year, right? So that's where they will actually require a lot of data, okay, as their own uh, finance emissions portfolio, okay, needs to be reported. 
Yeah, so I think that's where our main customer will still be the larger companies, okay, in various sectors. Mm, right. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Benjamin So, Managing Director at Stex, and uh, well. We can't run away from talking about the MAS. Benjamin is a big thing here. Your ESGPD interface powers a number of sustainability initiatives. We talked about the Monetary Authority of Singapore, MAS's Green Print ESG Registry. You have this uh, ESCAP, Sustainable Business Network. Could you tell us more about them? Uh, where does Stacks come into the picture? And the MAS and ESCAP, are they considered your customers or your partners? Mm. So these uh, organizations, they are definitely partners. I wouldn't call them customers. So our partnership is that we are a technology partner. Yeah, we will provide them. Uh, we'll provide our technology. Okay, as part of the platform or part of the programs that they are running. Yeah, so I think it's great leadership from these organizations. For example, you know, government agencies like MAS. Okay, whereby uh, it's a great industry initiative to try to provide some technology platforms for the wider financial sector to therefore uh, conduct their sustainable financing in a more effective manner. Uh, you mentioned about ESCAP or SCAP as we call them. Okay, it's actually the United Nations Economic Social Commission for Asia Pacific. And, you know, they also have an inclusive agenda. Yeah, so as you can see, you know, it's two different objectives altogether. The MES is supporting the financial sector. The SCAP is actually supporting more inclusivity at the SME level. So it's really meaningful for us that we can partner with both ends, whereby the SCAP uh, Sustainable Business Network initiative is to encourage SMEs to do this for free and to even incentivize them with recognition because they also award, you know, the green, silver, and gold badges for companies that use the data, uh, that, that submit the data for free. So it's almost like a form of recognition that these companies can get so that they can sell their profile better. Mm. So it's a bit like white label, like using your platform white label, providing it to them, and then at the same time, gaining more visibility for for stacks instead of gaining, you know, revenues is, is that the right way to understand the relationship there? Oh, yes. We do, definitely do not make revenue from them. Yes. But in fact, yes, we drive or funnel in more users and more potential clients from these programs. Yes. As a whole, Benjamin, when we look at all of these developments, the number of customers you have, what is the importance of your ESGPedia platform to Stacks top and bottom lines? And where is Stacks at when it comes to valuation or capital injection? Mm. So I think the opportunity for climate tech platforms is immense, right? So just last month, I saw a report by Deloitte, you know, they mentioned that climate tech, you know, which includes companies like us, is going to be uh, doubling in uh, the so-called revenue, okay, by more than a doubling, okay, by 2026, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and in fact, it's crossing 1 billion US dollars every year this year in 2024. So that was a very healthy, you know, news for us. Okay, we think that this market is going to expand primarily because more companies now realize that without the use of technology, it is impossible to manage the data if you continue to just simply manage by Excel spreadsheets and you have 10,000 suppliers, right? So I think that's the uh, value of the opportunity today. Yep, the opportunity is therefore, okay, there on a global scale. Uh, for us, 
we are focused on Asia, right? Because we are Asian, we understand Asia, we are very local. You know, I mentioned a few countries in ASEAN that we frequently uh, uh, travel to. We actually localize our platform to all of them. So it's local language, local emission factors, local regulations, and even the local reports in the local standard. So if you look at that, size of the market i did a calculation before there's 7700 listed companies in those markets so imagine each company pays us an average because we do have a a, a, a range of pricing right between free <laughs> to sixty thousand. okay so let's say they just give an average of uh, let's do an average of just ten thousand a company yeah so that's actually a lot of money there okay or in terms of potential for us Right. If we look at financing for Stacks itself as a company, right, is it currently bootstrapped and running on uh, its own revenue or profits? Or do you have backers, strategic backers, and who are they if you may disclose? Oh, yes. So both actually. So we have uh, revenue. Okay. But of course, we have received a lot of uh, support from our investors. So our uh, first lead investor in our previous round uh, that was WaveMaker Partners. So we concluded a pre-Series A where WaveMaker Partners was a lead. Okay, but we also have some interesting uh, backers. For example, the PwC Venture Hub and also Tribe Accelerator. So I think we have received quite a lot of help, not just financially, but also in terms of the synergy that they are able to also you know, bring us to some of the other contacts that they have. Mm, don't mind me asking, what is the valuation, the, the last valuation based on the previous round? <laughs> so I can't really say, but actually that number is not even uh, relevant anymore because, you know, as, as Deloitte has already pointed out, the value of the industry has just doubled. So literally, you know, whatever that we had last time is no longer the right number today. Right to say you're seeing explosive growth in a user base and customer base then, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and let's uh, wrap up by looking at future plans for Stacks in 2024. I know last year you have upgraded your platform. You've also worked on some initiatives in Indonesia and the Philippines. So what's next for you guys? So I think we, along with those upgrades, right, we are trying to make the uh, input of data even easier. So now we allow for file uploads. I'm quite happy to say that you know we now even support OCR for documents. I mean, OCR for documents in Singapore is relatively easy, frankly, because everything is pretty structured but we have even supported OCR for documents in the Philippines so Filipino corporates can now submit their documents uh, in the local structure and still receive the data being automatically generated in the platform and uh, in general we will therefore in 2024 be very focused on ASEAN you know 90% of supply chains from ASEAN Singapore is really a hub everything passes through, but the real industry or real economy is really in those markets. So we want to be able to leave a lasting impact and also a real uh, tangible impact by operating in those markets, Okay, which are really at the most upstream of the entire ESG value chain. Right. Uh, just for our listeners, uh, OCR refers to optical character recognition, right, where you can turn words in an image into words in a word document. Well, thanks a lot, Benjamin. Lots happening for you guys in the new year. So I can expect you to be super busy this year as well. Uh, Benjamin, so managing director at Stacks. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.